We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, first college football playoff rankings out last night. I'm kidding. We don't care. Hoop season upon us. We're taking a break from Roddy, Wayne, and Felder because we're talking women's college basketball. I'm pleased to be joined once again this season by Megan Gower. You can watch her, listen to her, read her over at herhoopstats.com. She has a sub stack. She's been in the Washington Post. She has a full-time day job. Megan, staying busy, it seems. Yeah, definitely busy, but excited for the season to start. All right, here's the deal. We'll get it out of the way. We're going to have a Gower Hour here. Preview everything from a crazy offseason. This is a one-off, though, of sorts. This episode will drop. Then we'll be back with the weekly show starting after the Football National Championship. We'll start up our men's coverage in January as well with Stephen Hartzell, CBS Sports' Matt Norlander. Megan and I will have the lowdown on the women's side. Uh, we were going to try to line up a guest for this one. Uh, just going to get a member of the New York Liberty. Then they cut us off because they lost. He hate to see it. Megan, how was summer? It was good. I didn't watch that much basketball, honestly, but I did travel a lot and enjoyed the summer. And now that's definitely catching up to me as I have a lot to do this week. <laughs> Where'd you go? I see a little France uh, thing behind us from 2019, though. Where'd you go this summer? Yeah, I was in London. So that was the bigger trip. And then Nashville. I don't know. I'm blanking on where else, but Bachelor all party? That's, that's all no, you go to Nashville um, for, right? Yeah, <laughs> I actually went with my mom, so not a bachelorette party, but it was still a fun trip. <laughs> still fun. And Halloween, dress up? Yes. I did not, and I... All right, then what's your, like, what's your that. all-time best Halloween costume, then? Ooh. I was, um, back when the Seattle Storm won the national championship, I was Brianna Stewart for Halloween after that championship, specifically the image of Stewie where she had the goggles on and was... <laughs> chugging a bottle of champagne <laughs> love it love it so 
we'll move on. I, I haven't dressed up for Halloween since I was like 13. So I make fun of you. I haven't done it in almost 20 years. All right. Hoops. A star studded a year, as I can remember, on the women's side. You know, you have some mainstays. Aaliyah Boston's gone. The Freshies are gone. Haley Jones from Stanford is gone. But so many people are back. You know, Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, Cameron Brink, Mackenzie Holmes, Elisa Peely, Haley Vandalith, Paige Beckers is back healthy. Olivia Miles, hopefully she's healthy sooner than later. You know, you have stars pretty much if you're in the north or if you're in the south or if in the west. Doesn't really matter where you are. There's a lot of talent here on the women's side. Don't mind Megan she's chugging. What are you chugging? <laughs> It's just seltzer, nothing exciting. Oh, <laughs> the non-alcoholic variety. <laughs> Anyways, lots of, lots of exciting people on the women's side. Even some like Aoka Lee, if you don't know her name, she puts up mega, mega numbers. So there's just so much star power to go around nationally. Yeah, exactly. So many big names. It's going to be a very exciting season. I think also, I mean, we're going to talk about LSU being favorites, but it feels like a pretty open championship picture in a way as well in my opinion we'll get to that towards the end but that's interesting because I, th- I think there's a handful of teams that can win it maybe not as open as it was I guess last year we had an overwhelming favor but I, I feel like we've had more open years recently but we'll get to it but we'll start with the defending champs LSU you didn't like the Tigers all of last year they didn't play anybody they go out they cut down the nets anyways and they could be even better because they stole the headlines in the transfer portal it's not quite like for like Haley Vandalith, probably an upgrade over Alexis Morris, fascinated by Anissa Morrow. She's an upgrade over Ladesia Williams, who was admittedly great in her role. But this Tigers team reloading in a way that, you know, the transfer portal is still so new. We haven't seen one of these top, top, top teams bring in these two big names, let alone one. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's like else you could easily be better than they were last year and they won a national championship last year so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that all comes down together down in Baton Rouge I mean obviously Van Lith has been a huge part of what's made Louisville so successful the last few years and then Morrow at DePaul has been their go-to obviously her role is going to change at LSU so I think it's going to be really really interesting to see what those two do at LSU yeah, how do you see Morrow? I mean, obviously, she's such a, such a big stat stuffer at DePaul. She was, you know, top 10 nationally in scoring and top one or two pretty much every year rebounding-wise. But And I, I certainly trust Kim Mulkey to handle big personalities and mesh everyone, but I'm curious how a Reese-Morrow combo works and perhaps more scary for opponents when it does, how on earth do you stop it? Yeah, I don't have the answer to the, the second part, which is why I'm not a college basketball coach. I don't but... think, think 360-something <laughs> other teams do either. So yeah. it's okay. But yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how her role changes, because obviously I don't think she's necessarily the, the full go-to player on this team, right? When you have more Owen Vinlith, that changes your role a lot. But I mean, Kim Mulkey obviously has a history of developing some pretty good bigs in the game. So I think we're going to see... Her game shifts a little bit. It's always been very offensive-minded. I bet you we're going to see more defense from her. I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like. I will say, yeah, the DePaul doesn't play defense. Probably, <laughs> I, I won't say they won't, don't play defense this year. I'm going to assume they don't because they haven't, as long as I've been following DePaul women's basketball. But LSU, the, the schedule last year was Charmin soft. 
I'll say it's like industrial toilet paper soft now because it's a little rougher around the edges, but at the end of the day, still kind of toilet paper. They open with Colorado, so kudos. The Buffs are ranked in the preseason. Have to play Virginia Tech in the ACC uh, SEC Challenge. That's not really their decision because that's that's a television decision, but that's it. Again, they don't play anybody. Yeah, I think it's disappointing to see from the reigning national champs. I mean, I know this the schedule's made long before they knew they were going to win a championship last year, but it's still disappointing that this is going to be the most talked about team probably most of the season. And despite those two games that you mentioned, we're really not going to see them play much of anyone outside of that until SEC play starts. Even in the SEC, I mean, South Carolina has, has been the behemoth for so long. They're still going to be very good. They're not going to be what they were the last four, going back you know, nearly a decade. Ole Miss is on the rise. Are they ready to take that next step? And we're waiting on Tennessee to, for the 15th year in a row, be Tennessee. We'll get to the SEC. You mentioned we're going to talk a lot about LSU. People are. You think people are going to talk about Caitlin Clark in Iowa? We want to talk about them next? Yeah. She's back. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, she's a favorite for National Player of the Year. She's going to shatter every scoring record you could ever possibly think of that she hasn't already. I'm going to get destroyed for this. My disclaimer, Iowa can absolutely repeat what they did last year because they have Caitlin Clark, the aforementioned, you know, probably best player in the country. Their preseason three, I think that's too high. By like I... probably three or four slots. Yeah, anyone that listened to us last year is probably not going to be surprised <laughs> to hear know. me agree with you on that. Um, but I do think that people have maybe underrated a little bit what Monica Sonata brought to this team and what her and Clark's connection did for how good Iowa was able to be over the last couple seasons. Yes, Caitlin Clark is the star and in her own right is very clearly like the national player of the year, but Sonato did a lot for this team and what the two of them combined for was a big part of what made Iowa tick. And they have to figure out how to replace that. I saw so many people, even Iowa fans saying, well, well, Caitlin Clark is special because it's only her compared to pick your favorite player of the last 20 years for Tennessee or UConn or, or whomever. It's like Monica Sonato scored 2,400 points. She. She made like 70% of her field goals for her career, not even a season, four years. She and McKenna Warnock were kind of the only semblance of a post presence. So now you're putting a lot on Hannah Stolke, who was a good player off the bench last year. She was sixth woman of the year in the Big Ten, but it's her and Addison O'Grady. Like there's, there's a giant question mark where, sure, Clark can put up 40 points. Kate Martin is back. That's nice. Uh, Gabby Marshall's back too, right? So, but they're the only three <laughs> players who have even started a game ever at Iowa. There's just, I think, there's too many question marks for me to confidently say, yeah, they'll be right there again. Agreed. I think there's if pieces come together the way they need to, they can be right there again. I also think there's a world where this dis- team disappoints a little bit, and not because Caitlin Clark disappoints. I think she's going to be fantastic, but the rest of the pieces have to come together too. And I will say last year, you know, I had a big thing about who could and couldn't make a final four, did a lot of research on where you finish nationally in scoring offense, scoring defense, rebound margin. I can guarantee three things. Iowa will be top three nationally in scoring, probably number one, or maybe there will be some, uh, some mid-major team who might beat them, but point stands. They will fail to reach the historic standard defensively of a final four team because their D stinks, but I've introduced the Caitlin Clark corollary. 
you can suck <laughs> on defense if you have maybe the greatest scoring talent that we've ever seen in women's college basketball. So Iowa, we're going to talk about them all year. They're going to be a huge star power. They're going to be on national TV a lot. They're going to be in a lot of exciting games because they're going to score a bunch of points and they're probably going to give up a bunch of points. All right. Want to talk some of these conferences? Yeah, let's do where, it. Where do you want to start? Let's just go down the list as you have it. Start with the ACC. Alphabetical. I like it. This is an entertaining league, I think, because there's, I think there's a lot of teams that could win it. I think there's a lot of teams that could make the second weekend, if not maybe the final four, kind of like last year. And I feel like no one's talking about the team that made the final four from the ACC last year. And no one's talking about the fact that they bring back their best player because Elizabeth Kitley opted against her COVID year. And this team is going to be just as good, if not better than they were a year ago. Exactly. And you bring back Georgia Amor, who was, I feel like, kind of the star a little bit for them in the NCAA tournament. In addition to Kitley, she was fantastic from three up until pretty much the final four. Not just that, I shouldn't just say the NCAA tournament, the, the ACC tournament last year, too. She just really turned it on for them. So this team is going to be good again. I agree that they seem to be flying under the radar a little bit for some reason, which is a weird thing to say about a team coming off a Final Four appearance that brings back their two best players, but they're not necessarily getting the national kind of hype. I think they're still picked to win the ACC, but not necessarily getting a ton of national attention right now. Yeah, I mean, they have a top 20 recruiting class. Uh, they, you know, they just weren't deep last year. They only had what six, seven players who played double figure minutes. And one of them was technically Ashley Awusa, who didn't play in March. So they basically played a six person rotation. I think they'll be deeper, even without kind of trailer and a uh, Taylor soul. They got a couple of transfers in. So the Hokies, I think are the favorite, but Notre Dame, I think they might get off to a slow start based off of Olivia miles, just the unknown of her injury. And they have a tough November, but I think the Irish. Virginia Tech's probably the best team in the ACC until proven otherwise. I think the Irish could be right there. Yeah, I think if we knew that Olivia Miles was going to be healthy and that she was going to play, I might say that they would be the favorites to win the ACC because I think they've got a lot of young talent and can be really good. But there's just that giant question mark around when, even if Olivia Miles is going to play at this point. So I think that kind of makes it hard to judge what you think to expect from Notre Dame this year. But even without her, I mean, they still have Sonia Citrone, who's been really good for them, actually led them in scoring last year. They've got a top five recruit in Hannah Hidalgo that people are really excited about at the point. So should be a good team with or without Miles. But obviously she makes a big difference for them. Sure, she makes, you know, every, everything just look so smooth. I still don't think they shoot the three well enough to truly compete for you know, they're probably Final Four good. I don't think they're national championship good. Citrone, like you mentioned, the qualities there, she shot like 40% from three, but she took like two or three a game. So the, the quantity just wasn't there. They see South Carolina, Illinois, and Tennessee in November. That game in, uh, in France, that do anything for you? Notre Dame, South Carolina, and France? Yeah. I don't understand it's it. But... Yeah. Wee <laughs> oui, wee. Oui. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I think I could see him losing, you know, two or three of those tough games. They kind of fall out of the national picture. Oh, you know, Notre Dame isn't good. Miles comes back. And then by March, maybe the resume isn't there, but they could be one of those sneaky, good, like three, four, five seeds that just peaking at the right time. And, and no one wants to see who else from the ACC uh, has you intrigued here heading into season opener. I mean, I think Florida State, right. We saw them 
be better than expected last year, mostly because Tanaya left and freshman of the year was just incredible. Kind of, I don't think someone that or a team that people really had circled last year until yeah. she kind of came onto the map and then obviously missed the tournament. So that was a huge blow for their postseason. But she's back, and I'm really excited to see what she does in her sophomore season and how much better Florida State can be with her having a year of experience under their belt. If you're sick of Iowa but want to watch that kind of basketball, watch Florida State because they might run the fastest tempo offense in the country, and they ain't going to stop anybody on the other end. So <laughs> you're going to have a lot of shootouts. Uh, I like Louisville, who might be the, the, the biggest question mark for me. They're a team that's just – you know, they're historically near the top of the ACC. They struggled a lot last year, kind of found themselves late, made that surprise Elite Eight run, but lose Haley Vanlith. Jeff Walls hits the portal. They He got maybe the two best mid-major transfers in the portal, Kiki Jefferson from James Madison. They got a former Pac-12 scoring champ from Cal and Jada Curry. You think those are good? I trust Jeff Walls more than I trust the roster, but having him is good enough. I still think Louisville is a step below Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, but I'm interested. Nothing else. Yeah, they feel like the type of team that is probably going to take a while for all that to come together. So they might, kind of like you said about Notre Dame, they're going to lose some of these big games they've got on the schedule early on. Might fall out of the picture a little bit, but I could see them come March being ready to make some noise. I'm not saying they're going to make a Final Four, but second weekend type team makes some noise, upsets someone, definitely possible. North Carolina do anything for you in this conference? I feel like they have the pieces that they should, but I just, I feel like I don't quite have them in that top group. I feel like they're just, you know, defensively, they should be really good, yeah. but I just, the, the offense never clicked last year. And I, I feel like that's hard to overcome. I kind of like them as a dark horse. Like if you, you know, I, I don't, really drink but if you got a couple in me you know you go to vegas like sure i'll throw down a, a, a fiver on on the tar heels to win the acc i like deja kelly Alyssa utsby's that secondary scoring i like the the transfer of lexi janarski former big 12 defensive player of the year literally big tony keys coming off an injury she should be back uh, maria dak gang the the transfer from boston college you're gonna be hard to score against in the post the schedule Admittedly, the schedule's a gauntlet. If LSU is playing nobody, that's because North Carolina scheduled everybody. They're playing UConn, Iowa, South Carolina, and then plus the ACC, which has five or six ranked top 25 teams. So kudos to Courtney Bankhart. I will say, you know, we'll knock LSU's schedule. In the large part, the best thing the women do that the men don't, they all play each other for the most part. And they don't do it, you know, as, as fun as it is to see Nebraska and Oregon State in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you're going to Gamble. You're going to Colonial Life Arena. You're going to, you know, you're going on Rocky Top. You're going to wherever. They play each other at home. Yeah, I think it adds a lot of excitement for the fans, especially like especially these teams that schedule series with each other. So every other year you've got this big marquee matchup. It's, it's a nice addition to just conference play. Yeah, so we'll move on to the Big Ten. We talked to Iowa already. They're the favorites. Not in my opinion. I think in the large sense of the national opinion, yes. All right, then who is? <laughs> in my opinion, Ohio State. I feel okay. like I'm pretty high. Yeah, I'm pretty high on them for this season. I think what we saw 
particularly from Cody McMahon, their freshman down the stretch last season, has me really excited to see what this team can do this year. And then they bring so much of their backcourt back, having Jess, or not Jess Shelley, who I'm like, yes, JC yeah. Sheldon back. Thank you. <laughs> JC okay. Sheldon back is huge for them. Obviously, they're going to miss uh, Taylor L. Maxwell's shooting, but I think they bring back kind of pretty much every other piece that contributed to this team last year. And they played a lot without J.C. Sheldon last year. They're going to have her hopefully the whole season this year. They should be probably the favorites in the Big Ten. I think Celeste Taylor and Kevin McGuff, yes. that is a match made in just <laughs> press heaven. For anyone yeah. who hasn't watched Duke, Celeste Taylor, I think she was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year last year. Yes. Ohio State's going to press you for 40 minutes between Sheldon and Taylor. We just ask UConn. I'm sure Nika Mule, AZ Fudd and company are still having nightmares about that press and the 75 turnovers they had in, in the first half against the Buckeyes in the Sweet 16. They play such a unique style. It's just so hard to replicate in practice. And if everyone's healthy, I think the only real question, like you mentioned, is the three-point shooting without Mike Sill. But no Final Four since 93. Uh, a little teaser for the end that I think that might that might change come April. Um, Indiana, another team who they got off to such a bright start. They kind of fizzled towards the last few weeks, ended in that second round upset. Grace Berger's gone. Uh, Mackenzie Holmes, first team All-Americans back. I feel like another team kind of like Virginia Tech. Just no one's really talking about Indiana. Agreed. They feel a little under underrated right now, too. I mean, Grace Berger, huge part of what they've done the last few seasons. going to be difficult to replace, but at the same time, Really, I mean, you have Holmes back, who was in the National Player of the Year conversation last year. You have Jordan Garcon, that was such a big part of their their offense as a freshman. That's now going to be back as a sophomore. They're going to contend. I think, you know, Ohio State, Indiana, Iowa, all going to contend for the top of the Big Ten and teams you're going to be talking about come March. I know you didn't watch a whole lot of WNBA, you said, but Grace Berger had a really nice rookie year in the WNBA. I know she was hurt for parts of last year. Do you think we might, you think we'll kind of learn how significant a player she was? Because I think Holmes, her numbers are going to go down. I, th I think it's just such a big hole to fill that one person like Chloe Moore McNeil is good peripheral numbers and she's played a lot of minutes, but you know, Berger was the engine that made that thing tick. Yeah, I think we're going to see it some. And yes, they did play without her some last season, but it felt like, you noticed it some and it just they were able to keep winning and then it kind of came came crashing down as they had to like integrate her back in and it just didn't all come together obviously the way they wanted to in March so I wouldn't be surprised to think see it have more of an impact than people maybe think it will this season. yeah that, that around a 32 loss to Miami what are your thoughts on on Maryland a team that usually they're right there at the top but I feel like they're you know kind of that that second tier yeah, there's just a lot of question marks I feel for this team. You lose Diamond Miller, who obviously is what made that team tick last season, and then also Abby Myers as well to so the WNBA draft. Those were their two leading scorers. They bring pretty much everyone else back, so you've got a lot of returners and people that have experience in the system, but just someone's going to have to step up big, and maybe that's Cheyenne Sellers. And in a few weeks, we're not really asking that question, but right now it's, I think, who's going to step up to replace that production for this team. Yeah, I think Cheyenne Sellers, I don't think she'll be a first-team All-American. I think she'll be an All-American this year. I just, I have faith in Brenda Fries does a nice job in kind of developing stars. Diamond Miller's gone. I think Sellers 
steps in if maybe not November, but by the end of the year, I think she's playing like an all American, but three teams at the top are just really good. I don't think Maryland is quite at that level. Uh, big 12 going to be honest. I don't see a final four team here, let alone a national title contender, but it can be fun. Who do you have as the favorite? For me, it's Texas. I don't like a team that no one's really talking about, maybe rightly so, because they kind of underperformed expectations quite a bit last season. Yeah. But they bring pretty much everyone back outside of um, Deja Church from that old DePaul team. That church, or not Deja Church, I'm pulling it out. Tony Morris, getting yes. my DePaul guards <laughs> mixed up. <laughs> um, they bring back everyone except for Sonia Morris. So pretty, pretty solid returner list there Roy Harmon obviously being at the core of that um and then Shaley Gonzalez as well who read them in scoring last year I think the key for this team is is Aaliyah Moore healthy and what does she do for them in the front court they really struggled without her last year in terms of having that presence in in the post so if she can step up I think this team is better than last year's Texas's team without that it's probably a similar story they're probably still going to fall somewhere in that like four seed range and their defense is going to be really good so they couldn't make it to the second weekend possibly but they need that extra push I think in the front court to to make a lot of noise this season you know Vic Schaefer is going to have what top 15 top 20 defense nationally he's going to have that thing rolling you're right last year they were just so decimated by injuries early that they just kind of stuck in neutral for the first two months and then never really got going but with Harmon and Gonzalez, I think that's the best backcourt in the Big 12. Um, and I like, you know, yeah. Aaliyah Moore. If she's healthy and back, I think they might be the best. I think Baylor is probably my favorite. You know, you have Sarah Andrews. You have Dariana Littlepage-Bugs. You have Bella Fontoroy. They're all back. Asia Blackwell is a transfer from Missouri. She didn't really play a whole lot last year. She wasn't healthy. And the last time we saw Joanna Edwards, another transfer, she was scoring 27 points and hitting the game-winning three to beat South Carolina in the SEC title game. She didn't play last year because she was a two-time transfer. So there's a lot of a couple of question marks in the front court, but I think the Bears, if anyone's going to make what right now would be a surprise run deep into the tournament, I think it's Baylor. Yeah, I think they have a little bit more question marks than Texas, which is why I just say Texas is a favorite because like they've kind of proven sure. where they are in this league. But I agree. I think Baylor has the pieces to make a lot of noise. Obviously, Nick and Nikki Collin doing well there so far with what she's had. So I'm excited to see what they do this season. And I'm not sure the team's going to be great, but I want to shout out to Ioka Lee. She missed last year with a knee injury. She averaged 22 and 10 a couple of years ago. She dropped 61 in a game against Oklahoma. You have Gabby Gregory who averaged like 20 points a game last year. So Kansas state uh, fun to watch. If you're again, just looking for entertaining basketball that probably won't do a whole lot in the tournament, but it's fun to watch anyway. So you're away from the tournament. They were 260th in scoring defense. Don't stop anyone. Kind of the theme. Just looking for fun mm -hmm. up and down basketball. K-State, your team. Uh, Pac-12, RIP, are you sad about, or were you a Pac-12 after dark person? Would you stay up for these games? I was, yeah. I watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball, so I am very sad, especially because this year the Pac-12 should be so much fun, and then it's going away. How do you watch the Pac-12? You have Pac-12 Network? You're like the, one of the 10 people who have it? Yes, I pay far too much money to have Pac-12 Network on my <laughs> sports package. <laughs> 
deepest league in America then? Actually, you know what? We'll get to that in a second. You know, so much talk is football, 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 football. And, oh, what are the athletes going to do? Well, they fly charter and they play yeah. six road games a year. Frankly, not, not who cares, but this, you know, it's, it's these other sports, even, you know, basketball to a lesser extent compared to pick your Olympic sport that Stanford wins mm-hmm. the national titles in every year um, that most people don't care about, but there's Stanford's won more national championships than any other college program in the history of the NCAA. It's just, you know, it's, it's sad that we're breaking this up and we're creating weird things, right? Like, do you want to see Stanford? Like, sure. It'll be cool. The first time Stanford goes to, I don't know, like Cameron indoor or North Carolina, but I don't know. Does, does it do anything for you long-term? I guess it has to, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess it'll have to because that's how it's going to be. But yeah, and I mean, I think it's really unfortunate from the perspective when you say like the Olympic sports too, like it's our student athletes and like they need to go to class and do things beyond just travel around the country to play sports. So it is I was a nerd. I went to class. Do you go to class? I did go to class most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> you graduated. It's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know what your major was. Mine was broadcasting. And like, I was a nerdy student. I got good grades, but journalism, they don't care what your GPA was. As long as you have that paper, you're good. You <laughs> don't, don't do journalism, kids. It's a waste of money. Deepest league in America, the Pac-12. Who's your favorite then? Because I think there's uh, realistically one national title contender and a second team I think can get to the final four. My favorite is UCLA. Um. I think when you look at what the freshmen did last year and they're all going to have another year, this team is naturally poised to take a step forward to begin with. You bring back Charisma Osborne. I think that decision was huge for this team's hopes for this year. And then you add Lauren Betts. So you take the best recruiting class in the country from last year to begin with and add the number one recruit from that class to it too. We eulogized Charisma Osborne's career after they got bounced by South Carolina in the Sweet 16. We're like, yeah, she had a nice career. Don't don't forget it. She's back. We, <laughs> you know, everyone's back. What are your Betts is just so fascinating because she was just she was an afterthought outside of like two weeks in February. So I don't know if like is it a her thing? Is it just the stand? Was it like Tara Vanderveer? Was it a mixture of both? Like, I want to say, yeah, you're getting a former number one recruit and she's a sophomore and the sky's the limit. And all that's probably true. But what my eyes told me was really nothing because I never saw her. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a gamble. It's obviously like a great pickup for Corey Close, but it, a lot of the success of UCLA this season is hanging on how that works out. I think their biggest hole last year was the front court and they need someone in there besides Emily Bissor that can, can really contribute. Trivia time. You don't... Kind of... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say they're relying on bets to kind of fill that hole in a way. Yeah. Do you know the last time UCLA made a final four? Not a long time. It's a trick it's... question. They never they had. Never... Which that blew my mind when I read that. They made the Elite Eight a couple of times most recently. Uh, last They make it last year? Yes. They lost to South Carolina. I don't remember which game it was. They haven't made the final four. That's that's the moral of this this story, which surprises me. I mean, obviously, when you think UCLA, you think men's team, but the women's team has been good. They just haven't quite gotten over that hump, and I think this year could be the year. Uh, but their biggest challenger is probably Utah. 
all five starters back. All-American Alyssa Peely. The question just, again, the theme of this show. Can they stop anybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's those. I think the one thing we won't be asking about UCLA is can they stop anyone? They're going to play defense. It's can the offense figure itself out? Yeah. What are your thoughts on this Utes team then? Or did I just pretty much summarize it? All five starters are back. We know what this, you know, we know what the five starters are. We know what Alyssa Peely is. We know what they can and maybe more importantly, can't do. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. But I think what we saw last year is what I expect to see this year. Hope I mean, hopefully they're going to improve on defense, right? Like that's the step I think they need to be, make to be a team that you're talking about as the final four team. Is that going to happen? We'll see when they play. <laughs> yeah, that's not to say Utah's a bad team. It's when, you know, when you're talking about going from the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight to the final four to cutting down the nets, like those, you're, those, Nits need to be picked. And that's the mm-hmm. defense that, you know, that if you're going to pick one, this is the nit that needs picking with Utah. Uh, we haven't talked Stanford yet, which is a little weird because normally they're just, you pencil them in at the top of the Pac-12. That's that. The signs were there all year. They were a one seed, but the signs were there. This team had a blow up in them or just a, an early exit in them. It came to fruition they're vulnerable. Haley Jones is gone. Lauren Betts is gone. Cameron Brink is still there. The Cameron Brink show? Pretty much, which I'm excited for because I love watching Cameron <laughs> Brink play basketball. But yeah, I mean, I think this team goes as far as Cameron Brink can take them. And I think we'll see how far that is as the season plays out. But yeah, it's going to be the Cameron Brink show. It's all about matchups, right? Iowa had... You know, they, they played Louisville, who's a pretty good offense, but they played defensive-oriented teams in their run. If you just run into, you know, Stanford played a team that could play a ton of defense and an Ole Miss, and they just weren't good enough, really offensively, just never gelled, even with the star talent. So I think if you get the right, you know, if you get the right matchups, Cameron Brink can go off, you can make a run, but if you run into one of these bigs too early, it could be dicey yeah. for Stanford. Uh other teams in the Pac-12, we don't need to go in-depth, but Washington State should be good again. Colorado should be good again. USC has the number one recruit in the country in Juju Watkins. So I, I don't think they're that top tier in the Pac-12, but these are certainly teams that could threaten to make the second weekend. Agreed. I think that whole top and second tier of the Pac-12 is going to make for a really, really interesting Pac-12 season. Uh, Charlize Ledger-Walker, stud for the Cougs. Quay Miller. Jalen Sherrod back for a stifling D in Boulder. And then again, we mentioned the aforementioned uh, Juju Watkins at USC, just some names to watch out for in the Pac-12. SEC, we top of the show, we talked LSU. Talk about the Tigers. Yeah, they won the national title. Congratulations. We'll talk about you plenty. South Carolina, the freshies are gone. Now what? a big question <laughs> i mean they have right they have camilla cardarso that's going to be huge for them to post i thought raven johnson was good for them when we saw her on the floor last year i think that answers your point card probably question they've got tahina pow pow from oregon which is a big pickup but a lot of question marks for the south carolina team which is something we haven't really said in like four years yeah they had the gap year between asia wilson and Aaliyah boston was there a year separation between the two yeah 
there was yeah. that Asia graduated in 2018 only Boston started in 2019. Yeah, they made, you know, made the only the Sweet 16 in the freshies freshman year. But since then, they've just, you know, they have the nation's longest active Final Four streak now at three. <laughs> um, I, I think Camila Cardoso is going to be first team All-American. Maybe not national player of the year worthy, but like her numbers last year, they're so efficient. Now she's going to play instead of playing 22 minutes a game off the bench. She's going to play probably 32 as a starter. She scores. She defends. She's going to get a billion double doubles. I think she's going to explode on the scene. Uh, Sakima Walker is a Juco transfer. She's six, five, like every other South Carolina team in the history of forever. They're all six, one, six, two, six, three, six, five. Their defense will still be really good. It probably won't be historic. We'll still probably be top three nationally. Um, I think the offense will take a half step back, probably. They're still going to be good. They can still make a Final Four. It's just going to be a new-look team. And I think Pow Pow might actually fit that Zaya Cook role really well. Zaya Cook, she scored a lot. She wasn't overly efficient. I'm not her biggest fan. Yes, I'm not her biggest fan. I think Pow Pow is an underrated addition to this team who's just going to slide right into that cook role yeah I think she fits well and it gives them a piece that has some experience too because I think the thing that stands out to me on this roster is there's just not a lot of experience left with all the freshies graduating it's Cardoso has the experience Raven Johnson has some from last year beyond that there's not a lot of minutes played yeah Pow Pow can shoot the three that was really the only thing holding South Carolina back it's hard to hold a team back when they only lost once and it was in the final four, but they never shot the three great last year. I think Pow Pow could be that addition this year. Uh, other SEC teams, Ole Miss made its first Sweet 16 in forever. I think there's not quite at that level. They have a lot of preseason hype around them. Coach Yo is infectious to be around. You know, she owns every interview she does. I just don't think they're there compared to pretty much every other team we've talked about so far. Yeah, I think the defense is going to be there, which can get you definitely a certain amount of way. I think we saw that with the SEC yeah. teams in the tournament last year, a lot of those upsets from the SEC because the defense can get you there. The offense has some work to do. Yeah, they lost Angel Baker, uh, leading scorer. They ran into a wounded Stanford team. The defense, you know, defense travels. Um they brought in a couple of score, you know, a couple of players, KK Deans, who's been at Florida. She was somewhere else too. Uh, Kennedy, Todd Williams from North Carolina. They just don't have that score that I go, oh, I'm scared of her. It, they have three or four, like, oh, they're decent enough offensively. They just don't have a go-to person. Um, and then Tennessee, I don't know. I could re-rack the same Tennessee thing that we've been talking about for a decade. Like, they're good. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it with Lady Ball. Yeah, I agreed. I think they have a lot to prove. I think they maybe benefit from not necessarily having the preseason hype that they had last year. Last year, where they were like preseason top five. Yeah. There's all these expectations. No one's putting those expectations there this year, but they still have a, a really solid team with Rakia Jackson. Tamar Key is back. They added Jewel Spear from Wake Forest and a uh, transfer from James Madison as well. That was a big time scorer. So, or not Jeff Madison, sorry, Destiny uh, Wells from Destiny Wells. Well, the OBC yeah. scoring. I don't remember which OBC yeah. team. Yeah, I think Belmont. Um, yes. So, 
so yeah, uh, uh, some good additions there. They have the talent to be really good. We'll see if it comes to fruition. I mean, they have the size. Tamari Key appears to be healthy. Hopefully mm-hmm. for her, she is. Blood clots are scary. Julian Hollingshed has size. Rakia Jackson might lead the SEC in scoring. I'm always wary, kind of like Louisville with Kiki Jefferson. Like you bring in someone who scored, even Jewel Spear to a degree, because Wake Forest is in a power conference. Not a good power conference team. No offense to the Deeks. But when you bring in someone who can score, you know, 20, 25 points at that kind of level, well, sure, you know, the usage rate is Caitlin Clark levels. I'm always weary of that jump to a team like Tennessee where the expectations are just, they're just different. And the level of play is just different. So they can, you know, Destiny Wells can go. She's not going to score 25 points a game. She could score 12. Is it enough? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I have a little bit more faith in the Wells transfer because she's coming from the MVC, which is up there near mid-major leagues. It's a little bit better than a, a low, some of the lower major teams that sometimes we see players come from. So she could make the jump a little bit easier. I don't really have anyone else in the SEC that, you know, this is LSU's conference to lose, right? I mean, South Carolina yeah, has the ability, think, but it's LSU or bust. Yeah, I agree. I think Mississippi State's going to be interesting with like the pieces they brought in, but I don't think they're in this top tier by any means. So I agree. I think it's LSU to lose. Those are the five, five of the six power conferences. Big East, Creighton, kind of like Mississippi State, they'll be okay. Maddie Seekers is gone. No one, no one's touching the Huskies here, right? In the Big yeah, East, it is definitely UConn's conference to lose. There's no question on that. All right, so let's dive into the Huskies. Put away the voodoo dolls. Yeah. <laughs> They're not fully healthy. Someone tore their Achilles in uh, the what's the World Cup? Yeah, she got hurt. U nineteen World Cup. Yeah. Final four streak is over. The streak of no back to back losses is over. These kind of things that just hang over you when you play at UConn, like two of those big ones are gone. Obviously, there's still the you haven't won a national title since 2016, but there's really no excuse this year, right? Yeah, assuming people stay healthy, this should be. I mean, not that there's no excuse because like the expectation to win a title is or bust is ridiculous, but sure. If this team is healthy, like, yeah, they should be back in the final four and absolutely competing for the title do you know how many games page beckers and az fud have played together this will be they played they've been on the same roster for two years i want to say it's probably like five it's not good it's low. it's not that low it's 15 <laughs> okay that's more than i would have thought honestly <laughs> yes all of pretty much december november and december of, of 2021 and then the few games when Paige came back late. That's it. So there's just, the talent is unquestionable. The first time, this, I'm sure Gino is happy with this, he'll have to figure out how to rotate everybody. So your backcourt alone, Paige Beckers, AZ Fudd, Nika Mule, Caroline Ducharme, they're really high on KK Arnold. I don't know, where, where is she going to play? Yeah, I think you can if they stay healthy pretty easily say this is probably the best backcourt in the country. I mean, AZ fun page backers alone is probably enough to say that, but the way we saw Nika Mule play last year too. And then those pieces you mentioned coming off the bench, most likely this is a really good backcourt. 
I'm not sold on the front court. I'm sold on Aaliyah Edwards. She'll be an All-American, mm-hmm. one of the three teams. Aubrey Griffin is back. She's undersized. I'm not sold on Ayanna Patterson or Amari DeBerry. Ice Brady, there's an article that came out today. Someone said she's really, really, really good. She's coming off a major injury. She's never played college basketball. I just need to see it in this front court depth. Because when you're talking, again, kind of like our conversation with Utah, when you're getting to this type of level, the margins are so slim. You got to go up against Angel Reese and Anissa Morrow. You might have to go up against Camilla Cardoso. You might have to go up against, you know, the, the tall players at Tennessee or, you know, Stanford and Lauren, or excuse me, UCLA and Lauren Betts. It's got to be more than Elite Edwards. Yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark for this team is who contributes in the front court. And then, like you said, they've got a bunch of options, a bunch of unproven options, but a bunch of options. So they're going to need to see who can step up there. That is definitely the backcourt. Assuming everyone stays healthy, has itself figured out for the most part. But the front court is the question mark. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Who's your new favorite player now that Maddie Segrist is gone? It's a hard one. I you really love Maddie Segrist. I did love Maddie Segrist. I've always been a Charisma Osborne fan, so like her being back for a fifth season, I feel like could be that for this year. It's going to be an emotional time for you in like February, like on the yeah. the, the dying weeks of the Pac-12 Network as you watch Charisma Osborne's <laughs> career wind down. Yeah, gonna be at like be two. Happy. It's gonna be one thirty in the morning <laughs> in the East Coast, and you're just gonna be sitting there with your Ben and Jerry's, just crying, happy but also sad, sad tears. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's your pretty in-depth conference preview. We hit all the major conferences. If you're a you know a mid-major who's really good, sorry, Florida Gulf Coast, you'll be a 12 seed again because that's what the committee does. Um, yeah. So we'll move on. I asked Megan. I gave Megan homework because she has nothing else to do with her day job. Uh, top five storylines for the upcoming season. We've hit up on a number of these as we've gone along, but just go down your list. What are your top storylines heading into the season from a national perspective? I mean, I think the first one is probably everyone's top storyline, but can LSC repeat? Obviously, their favorites right now. Repeating is not easy to do, as South Carolina proved last year. And I think the key to that for them is how do all these pieces talk, come together? There's a lot of talk about, obviously, two huge pickups in the transfer portal, very big personalities. I'm sure Kim Mulkey's going to figure it out, but I'm really interested to see how it all works out. I agree. Again, Anissa Morrow is a better player than Ladeja Williams. I don't think they win a national title without... Ladeja Williams and her performance, especially the last two weekends of the season. Like Angel Reese was final four most outstanding player. They didn't have like she, you know, she probably deserved it. It wasn't like she just took over both games and was such such a dominant force that they just couldn't possibly stop her. Williams was really good. Alexis Morris was really good. Who went off? Jasmine Carson like exploded for mm-hmm. 10 minutes in the national championship game. Carson's gone. Morris is gone. 
talent, they're better. We'll see on paper. I mean, if if, if there's anyone who's going to mesh these personalities, it's Kim Mulkey, right? Uh, number two storyline. I think UConn, who's your preseason number two here, is obviously Paige Beckers being back. No one's seen her play for well over a year. She's been a good portion of her sophomore year injured, too. Gina's saying right now that she's better than she was her freshman year when she won National Player of the Year. So just a lot of hype around, one, seeing her back on the floor, and then two, seeing her on the floor with AZ, as we were talking about earlier, like the two of them back-to-back very celebrated recruits we haven't actually seen that kind of vision of the two of them playing together come through at UConn too much yet I think people forget that you know I I see the haters on social media like oh we just like Paige Beckers because you know she went to she plays for UConn or whatever she won she was a national player of the year as a freshman Sure, she has to come back from a significant injury, really two fairly significant injuries in the last two years, but we saw what she did on one leg against uh, NC State in the Elite Eight. Just watch out. That's, you yeah. know, assuming she stays healthy, like people for, you know, she's just as good as Caitlin Clark or Angel Reese or pick your favorite player nationally. Uh, and her and Clark are the only ones who can say they've won National Player of the Year and still be in college. Number three. Just the general impact of the transfer portal. I mean, obviously we saw it last year with LSU, Angel Race, they win the national title. It's going to be a storyline at LSU again this year, but I'm interested to see like who's the LSU of this year that kind of like really elevates their team with what they picked up in the portal and just in general. So we get to March too. Like it takes time for those additions to mesh, but is that what's driving who's successful in March? Is it who has more continuity from last year? I'm just, I'm just interested to see how it all plays out because it is still such a new part of the game. Yeah, that and, you know, NIL and all this fun stuff that I'm exhausted by it all. You know, the portal's cool because coaches can leave. Why can't players? I'm just, I'm tired. It's cool that LSU got Haley Vandalith and Anissa Morrow. I hope it works. Either way, frankly, it's going to be entertaining. Just with LSU, you either love them or you hate them. So you're going to relish in the victories if you're a fan. If they stumble, you're going to relish if you hate them. That's that's just kind of Kim Mulkey's MO. It always has been, and it's entertaining. That's for sure. Uh, Number four. We talked about this already, but just what's next for South Carolina? Because we've talked so much about the Gamecocks in the last, I don't know, eight seasons now. It was Asia Wilson. Then it was Aaliyah Boston and the Freshies, so who's next? And I don't think there's an obvious... I mean, obviously, I think Kimola Kodoso is probably going to be the best team player on this team, but I think she only has a year left after this. So, kind of, who's the next big name at South Carolina? I'm going to try to look it up. I don't know. This is... The, thank God. This is the last <laughs> year where... But yeah, she might have two because of COVID, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the last year where this is a thing. She's listed as a senior. That doesn't mean anything. So Syracuse yeah. 2020. So the COVID, yeah, she has a COVID year left. That's the answer here. She has a COVID year because her freshman year was 2020-2021. So, you know, it's her. It's, I mean, everyone except for Charisma Osborne can come back. So the, the overarching story, which, spoiler alert, I ain't talking about this in January, and I'm not talking about it in February, and I'm not talking about hey. it in March. Right now, I don't care if Caitlin Clark is going to come back next year. Or Angel Reese or Paige Beckers. AZ Fudd today, I think, told Rebecca Lobo she's going to come back next year. I didn't even know she can go to the draft because she's a junior. 
pick your Haley Van Lith probably has another year. I don't care. I'm going to enjoy him this year. And then eventually seniors will leave because they're seniors. Yeah, exactly. It's too early to worry about it. <laughs> I'd rather just focus on the basketball that's going to happen in the next five months for now. If you're panicking on whether Caitlin Clark's going to come back next year, that means you're not paying attention to her latest 50 point game with 15 assists and 14 rebounds. Last, last and least your fifth, uh, last but not least your fifth and final storyline for the season. Who's the best conference in the, the women's basketball world? I think it's always the debate. I think it comes down to big 12 or big 10, sorry, not big 12, obviously big 10 or pac 12 this year. So I, I would probably give the nod to the pac 12 right now. I think they're going to be a little bit better, but those two, I think are going to be at the top of that list. So you count UCLA as a pac 12 team still. Yeah, you're behind, you're behind the times. I know. <laughs> We're going on the current year. I'm not thinking about next year when I have to try to refigure out who plays in what conference. I don't have week. thoughts on SMU <laughs> in the ACC yet. Nope. <laughs> All right, predictions, and then we'll get out of here. In uh, whatever, the, where where's the final four this year? Cleveland. I just want to say Columbus, but it's Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland again. Name uh name your final four teams. If, if you had to pick right now, if you're right, well, frankly, if you're super wrong or really right, we'll come back to it in April. Who you got? Yeah. LSU, obviously, UConn, Ohio State, and UCLA. We need to find new co-hosts for this because you and I <laughs> do we have the exact yeah. same <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you, you know, UConn and LSU, I think, are like everyone's going to pick them to go to the final yeah. four. It'd be short of obviously injuries, plural, like we saw with, you know, UConn last year or, you know, Texas last year. These preseason top five teams, I don't see a way that they don't make it, LSU and UConn. Frankly, I kind of feel that way about Ohio State. I just, I think the Buckeyes are. UConn and LSU were 1A and 1B for most. I think the Buckeyes are, like, number two, like, right behind both of them. I really like the Buckeyes. And then UCLA, I just think it's their year. The talent's there. I think the Lauren Betts edition works, and I think UCLA's in the final four. I don't know. I'm trying to go through my notes and, like, pick a different team. You know what? No, I just... No, I don't... Fine, we'll just have the same. Fine, name your All-Americans. I'm sure it's the same five that I have. Go ahead. Paige Beckers, Caitlin Clark, Cameron Brake. I think those three are probably on, like, everyone's list. Beyond that, I'm going to go... Frank's not on mine. Oh, yes. Okay, there we go. Yes. <laughs> we have something different. <laughs> um, Angel Reese. And then... Rakia Jackson as my last one, which might be Ooh. hopefully not on your list. I think she's going to be really, really good for Tennessee this year. Ooh. I have Beckers, Clark, and Reese probably on everyone's. I have Camilla Cardozo, who I think is going to step in and just explode. Her numbers last year were phenomenal, and she only played 20 minutes a game because everyone on South Carolina played 20 minutes a game for the most part. Um, that's going to change this year. And then I'm assuming this is based on her health. I think Olivia Miles, um, when I first wrote this down, I thought she'd be back sooner, but Notre Dame has been so coy. Really, since the day she got injured, they've been so coy about it. I don't feel overly confident, but I think I, I'm putting Miles there. Um, 
and then I'm cheating. If Miles doesn't play in all of November, then I'll say Cody McMahon because she had a coming out party in the tournament, and I think she will do it on a national stage uh, for an extended period of time, and people will notice. Um, I think yeah, Brink... she might. No, go ahead. Yeah, McMahon. I was going to say Cody McMahon might be the player I'm most excited to watch this season, like to see what she does as a sophomore. Brink certainly has the talent. I just think the pieces around her aren't there, and teams are just going to collapse in on her and force someone else to beat the man. Like part of this too, all American voters, like how good your team is matters for the most part. Not always, you know, Maddie Seagrass Villanova was pretty good. They weren't national title good, but it matters. And that Sanford, I don't think is going to be, I think they're going to fall. Like they're going to be, it'll be a top 20 team. I don't think they're going to be a top 10 team. Um, and I think that that goes against Brink, fair or unfair. Um, we've made it almost an hour, and we didn't talk about the biggest news of the offseason. At Megan Gower on, I'm still calling it Twitter, new whiteboard. Tell me about it. <laughs> yes, it's very big. It fits all 68 teams, which is a good teaser that you should probably check out the Her Hoop Stats website on Thursday this week because they're there might be something new there with the full bracket. What'd you do with the old one? It's my to-do list now. It's still here. <laughs> it's my very long to-do list instead. <laughs> All right. As long as you didn't just throw it to the trash. <laughs> so how big are we talking? Uh, it's like two feet by three feet. So oh, a little okay. more so difficult. It's not like, it's not like yeah. I'm envisioning like a whole wall of your <laughs> home. Yeah, no, it's not that big. Going to be a little bit more difficult to like take to the conference tournament with me and stuff, but not not too big. <laughs> we do that thing where like every 10 likes you get on social media, you just buy a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger <laughs> one and a bigger one until your whole house is a giant whiteboard. <laughs> I would like that. Just have it on the wall. Not even have to carry it around. <laughs> Season begins next week. Again, we mentioned top of the show. This is our preview pod. We will be back starting in January as soon as, I don't know, Georgia, probably three-peats in college football because the same team wins every year in women's college basketball. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll be back in January. Weekly shows. Our men's coverage will also start the same time as the women's coverage. So follow us on Twitter at CSNowTweets. Follow Megan at Megan Gower. You can follow me. I don't tweet a whole lot um, unless you want to hear me vent about the Steelers and Arsenal. Um but we'll be back in January on the CS Now feed and the Her Hoop Stats feed. Until then, enjoy all the basketball, everybody.